Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. In this episode, Game explains the costs of cash pooling and then goes into detail of how corporates might set up their cash pool using an in-house team or using their banking partner, which is quite an interesting difference of approach. We're excited to announce we have our first sponsor for the podcast on this episode, which will be GHA Marketing. GHA Marketing offers social media management services for all types of small and medium businesses, including podcasts. As a business, you have so many things to worry about, like inventory, staff, the toilet being blocked, etc. You don't want to add the hassle of growing your socials and posting consistently with quality posts, which is what's required to grow your reach. More and more consumers are using social media as their main introduction to your business, and you want to make sure your social billboard, as they call it, are up to scratch. Find out more by emailing them at inquiries at ghamarketing.com. That's inquiries at ghamarketing.com. And mention Corporate Treasury 101 for a discount. And with that, on with the episode. That seems to tie in one of our previous episodes, also something that was uh, quite popular amongst our listeners, which was short-term investments, right? Yeah. Um, I assume that if you want to do short-term investments in a specific branch or a different mm. specific region, or again, you want to aggregate contracts from your central office or something like this, um, this would be something you would want to do to enable short-term investments, right? Absolutely. Musa, nailed it. Um are there any legal implications of that? Like if, if you have like one branch, which is doing super well, mm-hmm. but it just keeps going to bank balance zero at the end of the day, yeah. because you're sort of paying to another branch or another subsidiary, like what are the implications for that, mm-hmm. that branch that's doing super well? It looks like it's got no cash in it yeah. at any time. So what are the, like, the legal implications or even just like overall um, the, the investor health of that specific mm-hmm. branch? Yeah, absolutely. Cash pooling. So legal, uh, I couldn't say in detail. I'm more of a corporate treasurer than a legal advisor. But this has indeed impacts that are linked to legal requirements, etc. But what we look at here is the financial statement, right? And if indeed some cash, some money is going out of the bank account of one subsidiary, well, it will need at the end of the day or at the end of the year when the, they close the statement to say like, okay, where is this cash, right? You earned it. Where is it right now? So... When a cash pool is in place, those daily transfers, those sweeps, uh, are of course written down somewhere and recorded. And also, what we call intercompany loans are set up because each subsidiary is lending and or borrowing to and or from another. What does it mean? If cash is going out of a certain subsidiary, a cash-rich one, to go to the header account, and this header account is lending to a cash-deficit company, there is some transfer that are done and you need to record this. You need to say, okay, this company at this moment in time has lended money to this subsidiary. So this is the intercompany loan and those are settled depending on the company every X days, X weeks or X month depending on the setup. Okay, so those are like recorded clearly and there's a whole accounting process behind it. So although Precisely. maybe from one accounting aspect it makes it easier mm-hmm. um, for you to manage your bills and your outgoing expenses and incoming expenses, etc. Yeah. Um, there's no such thing as a free lunch, as they say. So there's also Very a true. small. There's also this additional cost, which is you need to then also you know do the checks on these intercompany loans. Yes. 
Right. Absolutely. It seems like a lot of effort. What are the other negatives? Indeed. So first of all, um, a limitation that could be for one and not the other, and that I would like to touch upon. In case of a physical cash pool, this is only possible with bank accounts of the same currency. Obviously, right? You sweep the cash balances of either euro towards a euro header, USD towards a USD header, etc. Where notional poolings allow you to merge and consolidate different ones. Since there is no transfer of money from one bank to another, and we call this multi-currency notional pooling. Now, for the other limitations, and obviously there are some. First of all, the setup, right? The setup of a cash pool requires quite some efforts. We just mentioned it, there are quite some tax and legal implications. So you need to look at the local requirements of each country you want to set this up within. Uh, and overall, it takes some effort. Also, this is a great tool when you look at the big picture and the group level, right? But from a local subsidiary point of view, and as we just mentioned earlier, you lose a certain autonomy. You are basically not the master of your own cash, for instance. It's all managed at group level. Another limitation can be uh, the either technical or cost impact. And let me develop on this. There are two ways of setting up a cash pool. The first one is in-house with your own systems, so it requires quite a solid treasury management system and a seamless bank connectivity structure. So this requires quite some resources and people with knowledge within your company. Or you can choose to have the setup of the cash pool completely managed by the bank. As you just mentioned earlier, they do everything, they take care of everything and the cash is uh, in the same location. This uh, means less resources internally, but the banks will obviously make you pay for it. Um, so, depending on the structure, it can be quite pricey, actually. So, what are the data? How do you actually do that? So, say you have an in-house team mm -hmm. uh, moving cash all around my different cafes, right? Yeah. Around the world. Um, <laughs> how do you set that up, like, technically? Okay. So, first and foremost, you want, as much as possible, do this between accounts at the same bank. We just mentioned it, but it's super important. Because otherwise, you will have quite some limitations. And this usually means you need a rationalized banking landscape, right? Let's say you make a cash pool structure region by region because it's easier in terms of currencies and cutoff times. This is a topic we're going to come back on uh, in a future episode. But so you don't want to have to set this up between 10 banks. You want to set this up with, within the same bank and with ideally not so many bank accounts because that also has a cost. Uh, this, is the first this is the first thing to take into account. Second... Uh, you need an accurate and daily overview of what cash is sitting where. So you need to receive what we call end-of-day bank statements, where the end-of-day balances of the bank accounts are indicated. So this through a robust bank connectivity setup again. Third, you initiate your payments through your own systems in order to send the exact amount that you received the information about on your bank statement, and this throughout all your bank accounts around the world. So this means having quite a robust treasury management system and the whole infrastructure that is around it. Last but not least, you need your systems to capture and record accurately how much is transferred every day from each subsidiary. Why? So the intercompany loans you mentioned earlier are correctly recorded and accurate. Okay, so sounds like a lot of work. You need to uh, make <laughs> sure is. that... Uh, you have everything in one bank, in one bank, sorry, which obviously ID. makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to be able to see the live position in an accurate way every single day. Yeah, which makes sense because so that you can actually do the transfers. You need to be able to do the transfers itself, 
in-house, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and then you need to be able to do the recordings of those intercompany loans for your accounting department so you don't look like you're embezzling money or something like this. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of effort. So why would you not just go straight to a bank? That seems like, hey, look, guys, uh, I have all these bank accounts in your bank. Yeah. Um, can you just make sure at the end of the day everything gets transferred into this one? So long story short, you're right. It's quite easier, actually. The bank takes care of almost everything. But first of all, your options are limited and the customization is almost impossible. We talked earlier about this end of day with the nuances of having it like in the middle of the day whatsoever. This will be harder with uh, a a not in-house cash pool structure. However, customization is indeed for companies that exceed a certain size, right? You don't want to bother too much about cash pools if you're below a certain amount of turnover and size. So to answer your first question about the bank being a better option, yes and no. Again, it's quite costly. Uh, Plus, big companies usually have the systems in place anyways, right? At a certain point, you need a solid ERP. You need a solid treasury management system, eventually a payment hub. All the systems that help you manage your finances, you have them in big companies. They can be quite obsolete, but still they do the job. So with a proper team to set this up, the benefits can be quite higher to be done in-house rather than letting the bank take care of everything. So it depends on your size and depends on how much value you're getting out of uh, your pooling, how much customization do you need, how much more can you save by doing it in a certain way, etc, etc. And again, like, for example, if you don't have one bank managing Mm -hmm. everything, then maybe you also need some sort of in-house team to be able to manage that complexity also, I assume. Absolutely, Osam. That's great. Thank you very much. 